morning comes to us from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, familiar words to many of you, one of the most famous passages in the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I have a buddy I've had for years. His name is Doug Benson. We got to know each other in church youth group. We grew up in Sunday school and in youth group together uh, and are still friends, but back then we hung out a lot. I'd go to his house or he would come to my house and we just enjoyed being together. Well, one of those days at my house, we were out in the front yard throwing the Frisbee, just having a good time. My mother comes out and says she needs to run to the store. She said she won't be gone long. We said we're fine. We're just out in the yard. So she said, okay, I won't be gone long at all. So she drove out. Turns out I don't need long uh, for some things. So we're tossing the Frisbee, and Doug says he's thirsty. I said, well, we'll get something to drink. So we go to go in the house, and the back door's locked. Out of habit, I'm sure, my mother had locked the door. He said, no big deal, she'll be right back, I can wait. I said, oh no, I can do this. He said, what do you mean? And I pointed at my brother's window, my brother's bedroom window. I said, that's never locked. All I have to do is climb on the roof, slide over the roof, pop the screen, raise the window, and I'm in. He said, it's really not that big a deal. I'll just wait. But while he tried to tell me that I didn't need to do it, I was climbing up on that roof. So I was on the roof. I had slid over. I had popped the screen. And I'm raising the window. And I look down to grin at him to say, see, I told you how easy this would be. But he wasn't grinning back at me. He wasn't looking at me at all. He was looking at the driveway where the police car was. Uh, turns out they were coming up the street and saw me breaking into the house and decided that might be worth stopping for. Well, the good news is I did have ID that proved I lived there. The bad news is it was locked in the house. And I tried to convince them to let me go ahead and break in so I could prove to them that I, had, I belonged there, and they were not interested in that plan at all. So anyway, my mother eventually got home, uh, and it all worked out. But it was a foolish choice on my part not to wait. Life is full of choices, wise ones and foolish ones, wise decisions and foolish decisions. We've been talking for the last few weeks about trying to make wise decisions. We started off, I think five weeks ago, looking at Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builder and saw how Foolish choices often look appealing, even easy, but there are always consequences. 
For instance, the police pulling up into your driveway. Wise decisions, on the other hand, are usually more difficult in the short term, but always best over the long run. And so as we've talked about making wise choices, we've looked a lot at the book of Proverbs because it has this amazing source of wisdom. And we've seen how in Proverbs and elsewhere in Scripture, how it talks about choosing our friends wisely, talks about the wisdom of discipline, talks about the wisdom of honesty, and the wisdom of understanding our anger. This morning, as we wrap this up, I want us to look at this passage from Proverbs, and in general terms, just talk about the wise way to live. What does it mean to live wisely? I think you can sum it up in a couple of words. Trust God. You can never go wrong trusting in God. We're told in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That's not the only place the Bible talks about trust. It's all through scriptures, all through the Old Testament. It's especially in Psalms and Proverbs. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Psalm chapter 4. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 62. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock. My refuge is in God. Trust him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Proverbs 16. Those who are attentive to a matter will prosper, and happy are those who trust in the Lord. Kenneth Aitken is an Old Testament scholar, and he talks about trust, especially in the Old Testament. Let me tell you what he says. He says, the call to trust in the Lord is heard many times over in the Old Testament, most notably the book of Psalms. It's not an evangelistic call to outsiders, but it's addressed to those who already know what it means to have faith in God. In Psalm 115, the whole worshiping community, their priests, and all who fear the Lord are called upon to put their trust in God, their help, and their shield. It is a summons to the faithful to live faithful lives. Do you hear what he says? It's not written for outsiders, but to those of us who are in the faith already those of us who are supposed to know to trust. There are still ample reminders. Sometimes we need plenty of reminders to place our trust in the Lord. Frederick Beekner is a well-known author and pastor, and he talks about a time when he needed to be reminded to put his trust in the Lord. His daughter was very sick. He was discouraged. He was depressed. He had parked his car and was just sitting there almost despondent. And he said suddenly he realized another car had appeared in front of him. He didn't even see it stop. And on the license plate of this new car, he saw a message of hope. It said one word, trust, trust. 
Bigner said, I didn't know if it was uh, a joke or a message from God or a little bit of both. But he said, it's exactly what I needed. Having some notoriety, uh, he wrote about this and spoke about this and told this story. And it got, the story got back to the fellow whose license plate said, trust. And so he got in touch with Bigner. Do you know who it was? It was a trust officer in a bank. He wasn't driving around trying to give people a message from God. He was driving around trying to advertise. But Bigner received a message from God. When the fellow got a new plate, he sent his old plate to Frederick Bigner, who says, I put it on my bookcase. It was old, bent, worn out, but one of the holiest relics I have ever seen. At the time when he most needed to hear the word, that's where he found the word trust. How do we live a wise life? We put our trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's almost like that passage was written to be preached. You hear it? Preachers love these things of, all right, how do you want to do something? How do you want to live a wise life? You want a blueprint for a wise life? Steps one, two, three. Trust in the Lord. Don't rely on your own insight. Acknowledge God. Bam, bam, bam. You got it. Trust in the Lord. We can talk about Beekner and his growing in trust. Don't rely on your own insight. That's what I did actually in the, that day trying to break into my house. Right? Uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him. We could talk about that. What is the goal? You have lived a wise life. He will make straight your paths. It's written to be preached. Step one, step two, step three. Except, I'm not so sure it is. It's supposed to be step one, step two, step three. It's really not like that at all. It's not like, say, putting gas in your car. When you put gas in your car, you take off the gas cap, you put in the nozzle, you start the pump, right? That is step one, two, three. If you do those out of order, or you try to do two at the same time, you're in a world of hurt. You have a mess on your hands. Psalm 3 is not quite like that. It's not this, and then this, and then that. It is not three steps at all, really, but I think just one. Trust. Everything grows out of trust. You can't say, first trust in the Lord with all your heart. The Hebrew word for trust, by the way, is betah, a total and complete dependence. You can't say, first, have a total and complete dependence on God with everything, and after that, stop relying on your own understanding. Right? Because if you were still relying on your own understanding, then you really weren't trusting in God with all your heart. They have to come together. They have to happen at the same time. It's like two sides of the same coin, except that it's not. Because there's a third side. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The idea of acknowledge is to recognize who has authority. To recognize who has control. You can't wait to recognize that God is in control after you've learned to trust him with all your heart. Those have to come together. 
Trust in the Lord. Don't rely on your own insights. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's not really three steps so much as one. It all happens together. It's all about trust. You know where you can see this? Indiana Jones. You didn't think I was going there, did you? Indiana Jones. Specifically, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Movie came out almost 30 years ago, and I will pause while you take that in and go, darn. Uh, 1989. 30, 28 years ago. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I think named that because it was going to be the last movie until they decided to make a final Last Crusade, you know, several years later. But in the Last Crusade, of course, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Sean Connery is Henry Jones, his father. They're both archaeologists, but also both very stubborn and strong-willed, and so they had some kind of conflict and haven't spoken in years. Henry Jones has a fascination with, uh, with the Holy Grail and that legend. Legend says, if you drink from the Grail, you will not die. He's done years of research, has a journal where he's, all, his, all his work is. Well, the movie said in World War II, the Nazis are also interested in the Holy Grail. So they kidnap Henry Jones, and his son, Indiana, goes off to save him, but he gets caught as well. So you're at the end of the movie. They are both captives, and the Nazis look at Harrison Ford, look at Indiana Jones, and tell him to go get the grail, and he refuses. So they shoot his father. Now his father lays there dying, and the only way he can save his father's life is to find the grail. There are three challenges. He gets through the first one and the second one with the help of his father's journal. And then he gets to the edge of a chasm. And the third challenge he knows deals with faith. He can see an opening in the canyon wall across. And he knows that's where he needs to be. But there's no way to get there. Momentarily he thinks about trying to run and jump, but he knows he can't do that. What does it mean? What is he supposed to do? Finally, he takes a deep breath, raises his left leg, and falls forward into the chasm. I'm not going to do that, by the way. Um, and as he does that, a bridge appears out of nowhere, only visible to those with enough trust to take that step. He truly is trusting with all his heart. He's trusting his very life. He's not relying on his own insights because you know your mind would be screaming, don't do this. And he acknowledges who is really in control of the situation. One big step of faith. Trust. Not three things, but one. And you don't just have to look in the movies to see it. It's all through scripture. If Moses did not trust in the Lord with everything... The Israelites would still be in Egypt. If Joshua hadn't trusted in the Lord with everything, they would have never entered the promised land. If David hadn't trusted the Lord totally, Israel would have never united as a kingdom. If the disciples hadn't trusted the Lord totally, the gospel would have never left Jerusalem. If Paul hadn't trusted the Lord totally, the gospel would have never spread across the world. If some of you hadn't trusted the Lord 30 years ago, we wouldn't be sitting in this sanctuary today 
but you trusted that God would provide. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Learning to trust. One of the things that I've trusted for years is my own sense of direction. I've always felt like I had a pretty decent sense of direction. Uh, our youngest daughter and I were downtown Atlanta for something a while back. I went to the Georgia Dome, and to get back to the car, I decided I was going to try the underground stuff under the dome where all the railroad yards used to be back in the day. Uh, nothing marked. And she said, you know where you're going? I said, northwest. The car is northwest from here. Uh, I headed out northwest. When we came out from all that underground stuff, we were at the parking lot where the car was. I went straight there. I've always had a decent amount of trust in my direction, sense of direction. Susan will tell you, uh, back in the days of paper maps, I didn't use them much. Uh, I just figured I could get there. In my mind, I thought I could find the most direct route. Uh, years ago, I got a car with a GPS, hardly ever turned the thing on because I felt like I could do it without it. But then, as they continued to evolve and improve, uh, I now use Google Maps on my phone um, because Google Maps has something my sense of direction will never have. You know what that is? Traffic. It knows where the traffic is. I might know the best route, but I don't necessarily, I mean, I might know the most direct route, but I don't necessarily know the best route at any given moment. And so for a while, we'd be on the north side of town coming home, and she would look on her phone and say, it says not to go this way, but to go that way. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to go this way. How bad can it be? Well, it turns out Atlanta traffic can be pretty bad. I would be on the most direct route, but it might take forever. Because in my mind, I do not know the traffic patterns, but Google does. And so I started learning to trust that Google would give me, I'm not worried about the most direct at any given point, but I do want the best. And you realize how accurate this thing is. Do you know if you're sitting at the varsity, which I happen to do from time to time, if you're sitting at the varsity and Google tells you you're 42 minutes from home, by golly, you are 42 minutes from home, it knows. It's smart. It knows. So I've learned to trust Google in directions. Now, if I've learned to trust Google because it has proved reliable, how much more should I trust in a God who has proved reliable and faithful and dependable day after day, after week, after month, after year, after decade? Always, always faithful. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. For the last five weeks, we've been talking about wise choices we need to make and how we can make better choices as we conclude, I just want you to hear me say, the wisest choice of all you can make is to trust in the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and the wisdom contained there. Help us, dear Lord, not just to read it, but to understand it, to put it into practice in all that we do. Give us wisdom, dear Lord, 
as we trust in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.